Welcome back to the Young Buck Bets podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kelly, and week nine of the NFL season is officially in the books, and it was a weird, weird week. There were some weird total scores. There were some weird results. There were some teams that came out completely flat. There were some comebacks. There were some overtime games. This week had it all, but you know what? It wasn't a bad week gambling-wise. We scratched, we clawed, we lost a couple, we won a couple, and we hit on a couple of big TD scores on Sunday and Monday night to really save the week for us. And guess where those uh, TD scores were tweeted out? They were tweeted out on the podcast, Twitter, and Instagram at Dylan Kelly Show. So if you're following that, hopefully that you tailed those picks and you got the Tannehill plus 375 or the Pratt Fire Pratt Fryermuth Muth at plus 250 last night in the Steelers and Bears game because guess what? Those hit and those more or less saved our week. Like I said, we were two and three in the picks we gave out on Friday, but those two big touchdown scores at great value kind of won us some money this week and really saved us from having just a mediocre week. Make sure, like I said, you're following me on Twitter, follow me on Instagram so you don't miss a thing. TD scores, episode drops, Sunday quick hitters, random videos I end up posting mid-Sunday and telling you how I'm feeling. It's all on there, and it's all good stuff. And at the very least, if you follow, you're going to get a laugh because guess what? I post it, and I laugh really hard at myself watching this stuff, so I can only imagine what people who don't even know me think. I can imagine it's just an absolute riot. But with all that being said, it's Tuesday. The recap is locked, the look-ahead is loaded, and the hot takes are currently heating up as we speak so that they're nice and fire for when we're ready to spit them out today. Like I said, the official record for the picks this week I gave out on Friday was 2-3. and three. I lost on both parlays, which I'll break down. The Bengals got spanked by the bronze, and I had the Chargers minus one versus the Eagles. The dog of the week, the New York football giants at plus 150 on the money line also hit, and a few TD scores, like I said, that paid really good, like Ryan Tannehill and Pat Fryer move. Love that guy. Love hearing the crowd do that. Plus 250, plus 375, both those boys hit. And for me, when I hit a plus 375 and even like a plus 250, it usually pays for my night and gives me some extra juice to play with. So hopefully you gamble responsibly, gamble well enough so that when you hit a Ryan Tannehill touchdown, you're betting for free for the night at the very, very least. I also caught the worst luck of all time on Sunday night. I'd already cashed on Tannehill. I had Van Jefferson at plus 175 and Tyler Higby at plus 200 for TD scores on Sunday night. And on the same drive, Van Jefferson got tackled at the two and then had two balls go off his hands in the end zone. And Tyler Higby got a TD called back after a long ass review. So we didn't end up getting anything on uh, Sunday night other than the Ryan Tannehill um, touchdown. I was more or less crying in my living room at that point. And at that point, I just picked it up, went to bed just so I didn't lose any more years off my life. Because when you watch something like that, it's just absolutely tough. Every single gambler has a story like that every single week where you just get an absolute bad beat or a terrible break. But usually it's not three bad breaks in a row like that. And it was brutal. But like I said, Tannehill already hit. So if I hadn't hit a bet, I probably would have put a hole through my TV. But the fact that I already hit, I was all good. Um, The parlays absolutely killed me this week. But mainly because I wasn't really even close on the over-under totals this week. And like I said, it was... I picked a couple games that had some really weird results in it. I had the over 48 and a half in the Buffalo and Jacksonville game paired with the Ravens money line. And the Ravens did come back and win in OT versus the Vikings. They kicked the 36 yard field goal with 16 seconds left in overtime. 
um, to win 34-31, but it didn't matter because the Bills and Jaguars finished with a grand total, a grand total of 15 points in the ballgame. 15 points. I called that the Buffalo Bills were going to put up a 40 bomb or at least 35. Not even close. The total was 15 just 34 points off the number we needed. And that lost us the parlay. But what the hell is going on in Buffalo, man? Losing 9-6 to Jacksonville this week after a brutal performance in Miami last week? I don't know, man. Like, if you're a Buffalo's Bill fan, you're not jumping through tables today, that's for sure. And if you are, it's not because you're happy. You're just throwing yourself through a table. Um, I don't know. It's not good down for uh, Bill's Mafia right now. The other parlay I had was the Cowboys minus six versus the Broncos and the over 41 in the New England and Carolina game. And at one point in the fourth quarter, the Cowboys were down 30 to nothing against the Broncos. I had a minus six. So, like, there was never even a chance for the Cowboys in that game. Um, Not one person could expect that, though. Um, The Cowboys ended up losing 30 to 16, and the Panthers couldn't do diddly poo on offense, scoring only six points and putting a t- and putting the total of that game to 30, with the Pats winning 24 to six. So the parlays weren't too hot, but also like there's two weird games in there with Buffalo um, not getting to 48 and a half, uh, Dallas losing to Denver, uh, Chris McCaffrey coming back, and Carolina still only being able to put up six points. There's some weird games in there, but like they're all kind of bad breaks, bad beats. Um, then they lost us the parlays. So on to the last loss of the week, and it was the car, uh, on the card from Friday, and it was the Bengals minus two versus the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns were up 24-10 at half, and it really never got any closer as the Browns ended up winning 41-16. to Nick Chubb took over this game, going for 137 yards on 14 attempts, including a 70-yard touchdown run. Um, Blake Baker played like okay with his one highlight being a 60-yard touchdown pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones. He went 14 for 21 for 218 yards and two touchdowns, but that's the stat line that the Browns like want and need from Baker because if they make him do any more than that, 14 of 21, 218 yards, two touchdowns, I don't know, they're going to be in trouble. Joe Burrow struggled a bit. He threw two picks, and the Browns controlled this game, and we take an L on the Bengals minus 2.5. And as Luke Wilson from TSN called, I guess the Bengals are pretenders. He's actually been on fire this year. He called the Packers to beat the um, Cardinals there on Thursday night a couple weeks ago when the Packers were out without Adams, Scantling, and Lazard, and Cardinals were undefeated. He called the Packers to win. He said the Bengals were pretenders going into this week and took the Browns. I don't know. That guy's kind of on fire in terms of predictions. He was just out of the league a year ago. He seems to still have a good read on what's going on in the league. And I don't know. That's all the negatives and losses out of the way. So if you take those out, I was absolutely undefeated this week. If you take out the losses, I was 2-0. and So I don't know. Let's move on to those winning tickets. Um, I'll start with the Chargers minus one versus the Eagles, which cash with the Chargers winning 27 to 24 after a game winning 29 yard field goal with two seconds left in the game. And as much as I want to say, you know what? I was right. Chargers look great. They just did not. They've really like fallen off a cliff as uh, Brian Burke would say. It's an 18 wheeler falling off a cliff for them. It seems like kind of in a free fall right now. And if they don't get it back on the rails, they're kind of in a tough division. They may fall out of a playoff picture, which is not good for them because they showed at the start of the year they have a lot of talent and that they probably could. If they could just get that defense figured out a little bit, they could probably make some noise if they made the playoffs. They gave up 176 rushing yards and two rushing TDs to the Eagles, and they can't stop the run whatsoever week in and week out. They also allowed Devontae Smith to go off for five catches and 116 yards with a touchdown, so they can't really stop anything at all. When you can't stop the run and you can't stop a guy with a deep threat, I don't know, man. You're in trouble. You can't stop the runs. You can't stop the number one receivers. That's real bad. Herbert was great 
once again. Justin Herbert, my boy, he's always going off. He is the only reason that this team won this game. Let me just read a stat for you here. He was 32 of 38 for 356 yards and two touchdowns. Also added 14 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. His, my boy, going off. I don't know. He was the only reason they won that game. I had him in fantasy. He went off, won me a week, got me off the schneid. 0-8 team. Justin Herbert basically carried me to a victory. Let's go. And I don't know. The teams are kind of taking away Mike Williams. Um, now as he only had two catches for 58 yards, but Herbert still manages to manufacture yards, manufacture points, manufacture touchdowns, use Keenan Allen a lot more. I think Keenan Allen had like a 10 or 11 catches in the game and the Chargers won 27 to 24 and they cashed the ticket minus one versus the Eagles. My next win came, of course, on the dog of the week, pushing it to seven and two on the season. And this week, the New York football giants at plus 150 on the money line cashed it for us against the Las Vegas racist. I mean, the Las Vegas killers. I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know what the, what's going on with me today, but those boys are in trouble down in Las Vegas. In all honesty, I didn't watch one snap of this game. I had like six games going on at 1 o'clock, so I, this one just got put on the back burner. I didn't really watch anything, but you know what? It still cashes for us, so I'm not really going to sit here and complain, or I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I watched the game. But Daniel Jones did virtually nothing. He was 15 of 20 for 110 yards and one touchdown. The Giants' D had a pick six in the game, and that's all I really got on that one. Um, Giants win plus 150. Dog of the week, 7-2 and two on the season, and that segment is absolutely on fire, and it's money, and there's just no disputing it. When someone's 7-2, and two, just betting underdogs on the money line, plus 150, plus 185, plus 170, plus 120, those are all the kind of odds that I've given you that have hit. 7-2 and two is no joke. So there's the recap of the bets. I hit a few TD scores, like I said at the start. All in all, not a bad week for gambling. Coming off a really good 5-1 week last week to this week, really not bad two weeks in a row. I think I'm up the last two weeks in terms of units. For me, depending on what you're betting, you're going to have to let me know if you're up or down following my picks. I know I'm up a little bit. Nothing to brag about, nothing to write home about, but I am up a little bit. And before I get into the ad from Bounty Sports and the recap and the hot takes, I do want to talk about a couple, I guess like not headlines, but a couple topics that are kind of surrounding Toronto teams right now because that's who I cheer for. Cheer for the Leafs, cheer for the Jays, cheer for the Raptors. Not a CFL guy, so I don't really care about the Argonauts, like whatever. But anyways, I want to start with talking about the Toronto Raptors, but specifically Scotty Barnes. When the Raps drafted him this summer, the one quote I really loved about this kid was that he instantly changes the culture of a dressing room. They praised his character and work ethic, and I was all ears to say the least. In my mind, when you start hearing these quotes when a guy is only like 19 years old, it usually translates to superstars or winners or both. To relate it to hockey, he seems like a Jonathan Taves type, a great player, a great leader, a locker room captain, a guy that holds guys accountable, a guy that breeds success and winners within the NBA. Scotty has taken all those things that everybody said about him in college right into the NBA, and it's translated into instant success. Not only do his teammates and the city love this guy already, he is going off and is arguably the best rookie in the league so far this season. Barnes has played in nine games so far this season, averaging 16.6 points per game, 8.7 rebounds per game, and 2.4 assists per game while playing 34.8 minutes per game as a rookie. He's been the second best rookie in the league behind Evan Mobley, according to hashtag basketball.com. And the big Kendrick Perkins went on ESPN and told the world he thinks Scotty Barnes will win the rookie of the year. And as a Raptors fan, this is exciting. This is a guy 
this of this caliber to have. And like, it's just exciting to be able to watch this. We don't really get this a ton in Toronto. We had Kawhi for a year. We had Carter. We had Bosch maybe. But we haven't really had many super superstars in the league to watch. I'm really excited for the Raptors and Scotty Barnes future. But the next headline that I want to talk to you about today is the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they just went on a five-game win streak. They lost last night 5-1 to the LA Kings to end that five-game win streak. But I am going to talk about the last six games and specifically something that I have a problem with with the team. They've been, like I said, they've won five of their last six, and the big boys have been carrying the team. They're absolutely on fire, especially during that five-game win streak, even last night. Let me read off some points of the big four that everyone talks about, the Tavares, Marner, Nylander, and and, uh, Austin Matthews. John Tavares has six goals, four assists through the last six games. William Nylander, three goals, three assists in the last, last six games. Austin Matthews, four goals, three assists in the last six games. And Mitchell Marner, three goals and nine assists in the last six games. And that's what those boys are going to have to do if we are going to consistently win hockey games. That's why they make the amount of money that they do. And that's what they're going to have to do, produce at that level for us to go out and win a cup and make a big playoff push. But on top of that, Jack Campbell has been absolutely great so far. He's been amazing. He's been one of the best goalies in the league, all the, dating back all the way to last season when he went on that crazy win streak. But I do have one problem with the guy. He's 6-3-1. and one. Um, He's got one shutout. He's got a 209 goals against average and a 929 save percentage. And during the five-game stretch, he was he was phenomenal. He kept teams and he kept the team in the game. He made every save that he needed to make, and he was great. But he comes out last night after the five-one loss, and he says, "This one's on me. It's two points. That's that's on me. It's two points, and I, I'm the reason why." Blah, blah blah. Jack, show some confidence, baby. You're one of the best goaltenders in the league. I would love it just one time for him to come out and say, "You know what? I'm one of the best goaltenders in the league." I know I'm one of the best goaltenders in the league, and I will be back on Tuesday, whatever. I will be back my next start, and I'm going to show you guys because guess what? That's what I do game in and game out. He didn't have to take the blame. It's not always on him. Sometimes the team in front of him doesn't show up. Jack Campbell, show some confidence in yourself, and we will show some confidence in you, baby. You're one of the best in the league. Let's go. Cut it. Just one show. Um, just one time show confidence. Like I said, his lack of confidence gives it gives me like I don't know just gives me some problems I know it gives other Leafs fans problems guys I'm one of the most likable guys in the league but with that being said let's get into the ad from Bounty Sports if you've made it this far thank you for listening but let me tell you about the sponsor of this podcast Bounty Sports the Pick'em style daily fantasy sports website and app where you can join tournaments for as little as one They run tournaments in NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, UFC, soccer, and even the PGA. Go on my Twitter, at DylanKelly9797, and sign up using my link to let them know I sent you, and you get a free $5 when you sign up using my link. You could use that for five different tournaments and make absolute bank. Bounty Sports. Pick quick, win big. As always, great ad read by me, and if you're wondering why I always compliment myself, it's because I have a podcast by myself, and if I don't compliment myself, then nobody will. So sometimes, you gotta pump your own tires, and that's what I'm all about, pumping my own tires, making my head even bigger. What could go wrong, right? But it is time for the one of my favorite times of the week, and it is the look ahead into the week 10 of the NFL 
season. And I'm going to waste no time at all. I'm going to get right into it. And I'm going to start with the Thursday nighter. And remember that all these odds are from Betway. So if your book has different odds, don't come at me being like, my book says this. No, Betway says this. And that's where I got all these odds from. So starting with the Thursday nighter, we got the six and two Ravens facing off against the two and seven Dolphins. The Ravens are seven and a half point favorites. They're minus 380 on the money line. Dolphins are plus 290 on the money line and the over-under set at 46 and a half. I like I love Tua. He's my guy. I have a Tua jersey. I actually made a pact with everybody and I said, I don't care if Tua goes to nine different teams and doesn't play a snap with eight of them. I'm going to have nine Tua Tagovailoa jerseys because I loved him at Alabama and I told everybody that he was going to be great. And even though he's not, I got to stick with my boy. I am wrong about him, but he is my boy. And I think the Dolphins are probably better off playing Jacoby Brissett in this one this week against a good team against the Ravens. Um, if Tua plays, though, I will be on him to score a rushing touchdown because he seems to score a rushing touchdown against every good team that he plays because he just can't seem to find that slant in the end zone. They take it away from him, and he seems to take off and go for a touchdown. Other than that, um, Baltimore should win in cover, so I'd lean Baltimore um, minus seven and a half. But as you guys know, prime time. Follow the Twitter, follow the Instagram, at Dylan Kelly Show, because I'll be tweeting out touchdown scores for the Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night games. But the early lean would be, I'd probably be, I'd feel safe going Baltimore minus seven and a half. Moving on to Sunday, we get the six and two Cowboys facing off against the four and four Falcons. The Cowboys are 10 point favorites, minus 420 on the money line and the over under set at 55. The Falcons are plus 320 on the money line. Uh, this screams like an under to me because there's no way both teams put 30 points up. There's just absolutely no chance. Uh, I know the Cowboys are 7-1 against the spread, but I really don't think they get there at minus 10 this week. But also, I don't really trust the Falcons, but I will. So I don't want to like say I lean either team on the spread or money line here because there's no value on the Cowboys, and I don't think the Falcons are going to win outright, even though the Broncos did last week. Don't think the Falcons are going to do that this week. But I will say I will lean the under 55 in that game because I just don't think there's no way that the teams get there in that one. The next one is the Jags. The Jacksonville Jaguars, the two and six Jaguars versus the Indianapolis Colts. We're sitting at four and five on the season. The Colts are 10 point favorites here, minus 490 on the money line. Jacksonville, obviously, 10 point dogs, plus 360 on the money line. The over under set at 47 and a half. And I can only imagine what Urban Meyer's fingers smelt like after they beat Buffalo last week, <laughs> 9 6. They were probably disgusting. They were probably up every single co ed that he could possibly get his hands on. And I think all those girls will feel instant regret when I say I like the Colts minus 10 here as an early lean. I like the narrative that this is a statement game for the Indianapolis Colts, and they're going to have to prove that they're a playoff team. And I bought in. I, I think they're going to absolutely spank the Jacksonville Jaguars here this week. I'm leaning the Colts at minus 10. The next game we got, the Browns are sitting at 5-4. and four. They're facing the Pats, who are also sitting at 5-4. and four. This one's a pick em. The Pats are one-point favorites, minus 125 on the money line. The Browns, plus 105 on the money line, and the over-under is set at 45. And to me, this is an absolute coin flip. Belichick will take away Baker. Like, he'll be completely neutralized with the throwing game will. But it's going to be hard to stop a healthy Nick Chubb. I usually try to stay away from pickums like this, and I probably will. So I don't, I, like, I don't have a lean here. I don't want to try to steer you either way. I don't have a damn clue how this game will go. The Browns and the Pats, no lean, no bets for me. Um, next game is the 5-3 and three Bills going against the 2-6 and six Jets, and the Bills are 13-point favorites, minus 700 on the money line. Jets plus 500 on the money line, and over-under is at 
five. I don't know how you confidently bet on either team right now. Like, I don't know how you confidently bet on the Bills right now or confidently bet on the Jets ever in any season, it seems like. I'll be off it, but if you had to ask me, gun to my head, who you'd pick here on the spread, I would probably go Jets plus 13 at this point just with the way the Bills offense just isn't clicking and they're just not playing well right now. So gun to my head, I'd probably lean Jets plus 13, but it's not going to be on my betting card come Friday when I do the pod. Um, next game is the Lions. Uh, they're 0-8. The Lions may not win this season. The Lions are 0-8 versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, who may be the worst 5-3 and team of all time. The Steelers are 9.5-point favorites. Uh, they're minus 400 on the money line. Lions are plus 310 on the money line. The over-under set at a pretty gross 42.5. If, if I bet on either one of these teams in any week, somebody please take me out back and shoot me. Please. So I, I got no lean, nothing. So the next game we got is the Saints. They're 5-3 and three versus the Titans that are 7-2 and two and put up an impressive win last week. The Saints are, or sorry, the Titans are three-point favorites and minus 160 on the money line. The Saints are three-point dogs, plus 135 on the money line, and the over-under set at 44 and a half. Um, this one's interesting if Taysom Hill plays, which honestly, it doesn't look like he's going to be the starting quarterback right now. Um, I'll be on the Saints at plus three if he does start. But if Trevor Simeon starts, you'll probably see me on the Titans' money line in a parlay, probably with the Rams' money line, maybe, um, as I think they're good enough to win here in this one. So I guess without Taysom Hill starting, I'm going to be on the Titans' money line. But with Taysom Hill in, I'm going to definitely give a long, hard look at the Saints at plus three. Um, the next game we got is the Buc- the 6-2 and two Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the 2-6 and six Washington football team. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 10-point favorites, minus 460 on the money line. Uh, fo- Washington football teams plus 340 and the over-under set at 51 and a half. There's a lot of big spreads, a lot of big over-unders this week, and I'm not really into that, but like I don't mind the board this week. It's a little bit weird. Um, but without diving too deep into this, AB was in a walking boot still today. It doesn't look like he's going to get the nod to go on Sunday. Gronk may be back because he was only dealing with back spasms in week eight. He probably will be back in this game, which gives Brady another option. But somehow I'm kind of on principle alone. I do like the Bucks minus 10. Um, I don't know if I'll bet it. I may, I may do this. May be a game that I buy some points, go down to maybe six and a half, seven points for the Buccaneers, just because I don't really like them at uh, minus ten. But they do have enough weapons with Godwin, Fournette, or Fournette, um, Mike Evans. If Gronk's back, he's in there. Like they have enough weapons and Brady at the helm to really, you know, run away with this game against the Washington Football Team. So I guess my early lean actually would be on the Bucks minus ten. But you'll probably see me buy some points there get it down to six and a half or seven if I can. The next game, we got the four and five uh, Panthers versus the eight and one Cardinals. The Cardinals are 10 point favorites and minus 460 on the money line. Um, the Panthers are plus 340 on the money line. The over-under set at 44 and a half. It's another big spread and I just don't like it. Arizona's D is good enough to hold the Panthers offense to six points, just like the Pats did last week. But with Arizona having Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins being banged up and they just lost Chase Edmonds, it seems like for a long amount of time here with a high ankle sprain, it makes the Cardinals at minus 10 a lot less appealing when you know the biggest stars on their offense are banged up right now. Um, I don't know. As I sit here on Tuesday, I don't really have a lean either way. I don't like the game either way. I don't really like laying points on Cardinals at plus 10 or minus 10, but after the Panthers just put up six, I don't like them at plus 10 either. Over under 44 and a half, maybe hit the over, but you'd have to guarantee, like you'd have to have the Panthers scoring points and they just, I don't know, they haven't shown that they can even though they got McCaffrey back. The next game is like, in my mind, probably the game of the week. And it's the three and five 
uh, Minnesota Vikings versus the 5-3 and three Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers are minus 2.5 point favorites, minus 140 on the money line. Uh, the Vikings are plus 120 on the money line, and the over-under is set at 52. And as I read this, it hurts my heart to say it, but I absolutely love the Vikings here. The The Chargers, like I, I always say this, they cannot stop the run. They're the worst team in the league against the run, and the Vikings can and will run the ball right down your throat. They got Dalvin Cook. They got Alexander Madison. This one will be a game that I break down on Friday, and it's going to break my heart to do it, but my early lean is the Vikings outright. So if you like the Vikings, plus 120 on the money line. You like the Vikings, plus 2.5. I like the Vikings both ways in that one against the Chargers. And this is another one. I like another dog here. Eagles are 3-6 and six versus the 5-4 and four Broncos. Uh, the Broncos are minus 2.5 point favorites, minus 150 on the money line. Eagles plus 130 on the money line, plus 2.5. Over under 44. And I know what the Broncos just did against the Cowboys, where they looked impressive and they went out and they put up 30 and they won 30-16 against a really good team. But I can easily see the Eagles winning this game. The Eagles have been running the ball really well. Almost similar. This almost could be a similar game script, game script to the Vikings and Chargers game where the Eagles just run the ball down Denver's throat. Denver's defense has allowed 4.2 yards per carry so far this season. So they've struggled to stop the run a bit. And I really do like the Eagles money line, like the Eagles outright, Eagles plus two and a half. I like them both as early leans. Um, the Seahawks and the Packers, it's off the board right now because they don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. They don't know what's going on with Russ. So with that being the case, it's down. I'll probably break it down on Friday's pod because there's no way that I don't bet that game. Next one, Sunday night football and Monday night football. Just know I will be on touchdown score, so I won't be betting it, but I'll still give you my little uh, rundown on it. <clears throat> the Chiefs are 5-4. and four. They're going up against the Raiders, 5-3, and three, little division game. Um, the Chiefs are minus 2.5 point favorites, minus 140 on the money line. Uh, Raiders are plus 120 on the money line. The over-under set at 52. Uh, the, Raider, the Raiders just signed Deshaun Jackson to be the deep threat for them. And I think if he does play, he will end up being a big factor in this game. And I'll be on TD scores, but if you want my opinion, I do like the Raiders outright or plus two, two and a half, but plus 120 on the money line if you're feeling frisky is where I like the Raiders and what I like on the Sunday night game. Moving on to the Monday night game, going to be on touchdown scores. It's the 7-2 Rams versus the 3-5 49ers. The Rams are only four-point favorites. They're minus 200 on the money line. The over-under set at 49. 49ers got a plus 170 on the money line. Um, I don't know. I love McVay and the Rams in primetime. That's why I'll be on touchdown scores for this one. I love watching Sean McVay and um, the Rams on primetime. And I don't know, no bet for me, but if I did, I will be on the Rams money line. To actually, you know what? Now that I say that, I probably will bet the Rams money line minus 200 in a parlay with somebody as well because I just think that they're getting disrespected a bit here against the 49ers. Um, but with that being said, I'll still be on touchdown scores, so make sure you're following the Twitter and Instagram to see those on Monday night. I'm going to be a betting on a lot, I feel like, this week. I had a lot of like pretty solid leans that I actually really liked. But the Week 10, look ahead. It's done. So I'm moving on to some Hot takes. I'm just taking them out of the oven. It's been a little bit. It's a little bit later today. I'm pushing back the uploads. They're going to 7 p.m., but that does not matter because the hot takes are ready and they are on fire. And hot take number one, I kind of alluded to it earlier. If Deshaun Jackson plays for the Las Vegas Raiders this week, I think he goes off against the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he goes for, what, maybe 100 yards, maybe two touchdowns, and maybe only has four or five receptions. Before Henry Ruggs did what he did, he was getting six targets a game, and a lot of those were, were deep balls. They can't just throw the ball to Hunter Renfro 
all day long. And that's why they signed Deshaun Jackson. He's one of the best deep threats in the league still to this day. He seems to go off once or twice a season for the last, what, like six, seven seasons. He seems to have one or two weeks where he goes off. I don't know. Kansas City defense sucks. I really like. I, I don't know. I like Deshaun Jackson. He's going into a spot where he is the deep threat, and he's going to get targets, and he's going to get looks. I'm probably going to be on him to score a touchdown if he like uh, if he plays. But my hot take number one is that Deshaun Jackson, in his debut with the Raiders, has 100 yards and two touchdowns, and or, I guess, two touchdowns on Monday or on Sunday night versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And my hot take number two, I'm just going to kind of go off the top of the dome here because I didn't have another one written down. But I'm just going to say, I think that the Toronto Blue Jays will re-sign Robbie Ray. I don't know, man. The guy came here. He was really struggling. Pete Walker got in his ear, got his, got him help with his mechanics. He's really revamped his whole career. He's looking like a completely different man down here in Toronto. He obviously likes the team. He likes the pitching coach. He likes the environment. He pitches well at home. He pitches well in the I think that the Jays are going to make Robbie Ray a top priority and give him a contract that's going to be like the same that he gets out there on the on the market. The only thing that I'm worried about is Robbie Ray wanting to go to a tax-free state to make that money. He hasn't really had a massive contract in his career yet. I think the Jays can provide that massive contract. They're talking about teams that really struggled in the pandemic. I'm almost 100% certain that the Toronto Blue Jays are owned by MLSE. They got, I don't know, they got unlimited money. They can hand out money whenever, wherever they want. They killed it during the pandemic because it wasn't just, they don't just own sports teams. They do so much else. So my hot take number two is I think they throw a boatload of money at them and the Blue Jays will re-sign Robbie Ray. I don't know. That's the two hot takes that I got this week. I put out a poll on Twitter that was uh, asking you guys, what would you like to see me power rank next? You guys seem to like the power rankings when I did it for NFL position players. I did the quarterback rankings. I did the NFL team rankings. And you guys said that you want me to power rank the top 10 NHL teams in the league. I'm going to do that next week. Once a little bit more games are played, once we have a little bit more feel for it, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to get that in there. I love that you guys voted. I love that it's there. That's coming next week. Top 10 NHL power rank teams. But for now, that's all I got. Make sure you're following the socials at Dylan Kelly Show on Instagram, on Twitter. Keep your eyes peeled for Friday's pod where I will lock in all of my picks. Till then, I will see you in the next one.